Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God in which we meditate this morning is our holy gospel from John 4, the encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. Perhaps it occurs to you and probably to all of us that we live in a world where we are surrounded by so many people with whom we seem to have so much in common and yet it's as though we remain worlds apart. Perhaps that's how the Jews and the Samaritans felt about each other. We read about Samaritans in the Gospels all the time. Jesus is encountering them and we read about stories of Samaritans and the the tension between them and the Jews. And it goes all the way back to the Old Testament to the time of David and his son Solomon, the great kings of Israel. And then after the death of Solomon, when his son Rehoboam became king over Israel, the kingdom split into two. Israel was the descendants of the 12 sons of Jacob, 12 tribes. And 10 northern tribes split off into one kingdom, which the Old Testament called Israel. And two tribes in the south were separated into another kingdom referred to as Judah. And that posed a very big problem for the people who lived in the north. You see, God had commanded their worship to take place in the temple in Jerusalem, the capital city, the city of David the king and his son Solomon and Rehoboam. That temple was in Jerusalem. But if you were to worship from the north, that would mean going into the south. Now, the people could have just done that anyway, even though they were now two separate kingdoms and they might not have been liked very much down there in the south. But instead, what the people of the north did is they adopted a bunch of forbidden worship practices that they had learned from the nations around them. And you know what? They were doing that down in the south too, where they did have the temple. That was kind of the way it went in the Old Testament. The people chasing after false gods and false religion. Well, later on, the people of the north would be taken off into exile at the hands of the Assyrians. And the people would be scattered all over. Some of them would kind of remain in the region. Others would be scattered all throughout the ancient world. And those people who were kind of just left there, with really no nation to speak of, they became what were known as the Samaritans. Because the capital of that northern kingdom was Samaria. And the there were problems in the south too. They went into exile with Babylon and they, they would come back and rebuild their temple later on after it had been destroyed. But there was always that tension between the people of God in the north and the people of God in the south. Who by Jesus' time were called Samaritans and Jews. 
They didn't have dealings with one another. We're told that by John in our gospel today. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. They're people who have false worship practices. They neglect the temple. They neglect the sacrifices. They do things their own way. They don't behave as the true people of God. But, when you get down to it, they're family. We read that this whole account between Jesus and the Samaritan woman takes place at Jacob's well. Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Jacob, the father of the nation of Israel. Jacob's well was there in the north, in Samaria. And that's where Jesus, a Jew, finds this Samaritan woman, asks her for a drink, and then offers to give her living water. Living water that is not like the water you need to come back to the the well over and over and over to drink and drink and drink because your thirst continues to return. But rather, Jesus tells the Samaritan woman that he is the one who gives living water. And he says in the words of our gospel today, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now you see, Jesus uses the image here of water because of something basic that we all know about it and that even this Samaritan woman who was removed from the worship practices of Jerusalem, she could get this. She could make sense of it. Water is necessary for life. I mean, who can blame those Old Testament Israelites who complained to Moses that they were in the middle of the desert And there's no water to drink. We know you don't need to be a scholar. You don't need to be well-read. You don't need to be a highly intelligent person to know water is necessary to live. Without water, we die. And so Jesus reveals to that Samaritan woman, And to you and me, something that is true about every person we meet. No matter what divides us, no matter what comes between us, no matter what keeps us from being one, we are all people who are dying. Every one of us. And people who are dying will chase after all sorts of wells to satisfy their thirst. Obviously now I'm starting to talk spiritually here. People know that they are dying. You do not need to be a Christian to understand that. And indeed... Those who we so often find ourselves at odds with as Christians, especially as Bible-believing, confessional Christians who hold to a creed and a faith and a doctrine steadfastly, we might not make sense of why people around us 
think the way they do and behave the way we do, they, like us, are dying. And they are seeking whatever they can to quench their thirst. Jesus is the source of living water. The water that quenches the thirst caused by death. The one who comes for Jews and Samaritans and all Gentiles alike is the one who comes to overcome death. The water he gives becomes in us a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In Jesus, death is undone. The grave is defeated. That sting of death that has stung us all is healed in the one who not only dies, but takes his life back up again in resurrection. That is living water. That Jesus rescues the dying. Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. What an offer to this Samaritan woman to have a water that never runs out, to not have to continue to go to a well to draw from it. It says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Boy, there's a backstory there with this Samaritan woman that we just don't know, isn't there? Five husbands and now living with a man who is not her husband in violation of the law of God. We don't know the story. We don't know why five husbands. Divorce, possibly. Was she widowed on several occasions? Possibly. Had she been abandoned by a husband or two or three? We don't know. But what we do know is that her thirst was not being satisfied in what she was chasing after in this life. She was not satisfied in what she found in this world. And perhaps that gives us maybe just a touch of insight and a little bit of empathy to those we see around us madly and crazily chasing after such worldly philosophies and empty promises in this world to satisfy themselves. And maybe we even recognize that we have done that ourselves. Tried to satisfy our thirst with whatever earthly pleasure, earthly comfort, earthly satisfaction we can find. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say... 
that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And she's right. Those Samaritans, they had bungled their worship practices. They had abandoned the clear commands of God. They had forgotten the temple in Jerusalem. They did things their own way. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. True worship. Jesus reminds the woman. Is no longer found on mountains or in temples or in cities, but in the one who comes to give living water that wells up into a spring of eternal life in God's people. True worship is found in the one who overcomes death so that there would be spirit living within us, God's Holy Spirit, as we hear his words of truth. True worship is found where Jesus is held forth for the dying world because he overcomes death by his own death and resurrection. True worship is found where Jesus is there for sinners and their sin is overcome by the cross and empty tomb. True worship is found where Jesus is there in abundance with his Holy Spirit and the truth of his word. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so we, the broken, dying world, come here where Jesus is held forth and we know death has lost its power. This is where living water flows abundantly because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. This is where true worship takes place because the dying world finds life that can never be taken away. And so by God's grace, we hold to the words of Jesus firmly and fastly to the words of Jesus. Like that solid rock in the desert that issued forth water for the Israelites. So the words of Jesus are our rock, our certainty. From which we receive words of life that never run out. That rock does not shift, it does not move, it does not change with the times, it does not need to become more relevant or more appropriate to the culture. That word is unchanging because that word is truth. And in that word is spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in you. Through which Jesus produces in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In a dying world, where we are indeed surrounded by dying people, we give thanks to God 
that we are no longer counted among the dying. Though death and sin and Satan have their grip on us, so it would seem, the grip is loosened in the one who gives living water and comes to us in spirit and truth, in true worship. God grant us to hold forth and offer living water, Jesus Christ, to a thirsty world. A world that is parched. A world that is seeking to satisfy its thirst in so many ways. But a world that can only find true refreshment in the one who overcomes death for us all. God, quench your thirst always and give you his spirit and word of truth to share this source of living water to our thirsty world. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.